I'm reading now from Second Chronicles chapter number 18. Verse number 4, the Bible says, And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets, four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. There is one thing that preachers are made to fear today more than anything else. And it can be summed up in one word, and that word is negativity. More than compromise, more than heresy, more than even the coming judgment of God, it seems, many preachers, many preachers are taught consciously and subconsciously to be absolutely terrified of being perceived as negative. They don't want to look negative. They don't want to sound negative. They don't want to appear negative. They certainly don't want to be called negative. In fact, you could call them just about any other name in the book if you want. But whatever you do, preachers today are taught to fear, above all things, being called negative. Now, unfortunately, preachers no longer, and I'm speaking in general, I know, I, I know that there's still some good preachers, and I'm certainly not the only one, and I don't have an Elijah complex. But for the most part, many preachers no longer reflect the sober, prophetic warnings of God, the seriousness of our forefathers in the pulpit and in the attitude and in the ministries of men is gone. Instead, today, when you turn on the TV, you see men and women wearing a plastic grin, smiling incessantly, and going out of their way to make sure that nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, is ever perceived as being negative. Even if the subject is negative in nature, the average preacher today does everything that they can to put a positive spin on it. Preachers whisper hell and shout heaven. They use words like we rather than you. They prefer a stool and a table and a coffee cup and a laptop to a pulpit in the word of God. If you look at the average preacher today, they're doing everything they possibly can to look casual, to look non-threatening, to look non-churchy. Everything about the modern ministry, the modern church, the modern approach to Christianity is based on this one absolute dogma that seems to reign today, and that is no negativity. Positive at all costs. Upbeat and positive, no matter what the matter is. But biblical negativity is exactly what I say we need. All of the prophets in the Bible, almost all of them, were negative. When you think about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. When you think about Isaiah, 
who has believed our report. When you think about Daniel and the signs of the end times, when you think about Ezekiel and Ezekiel chapter 13, an entire chapter dedicated to the correction and the rebuke of wayward prophets. When you think of Amos and Hosea, when you think of Peter's message there on the day of Pentecost, warning that generation to flee the wrath to come. When you think of Paul even preaching the gospel, and as positive as the gospel is, you couldn't get to the gospel but by way of a negative law. When you think of Jesus preaching twice as many times on hell as he did on heaven. When you think of John the Baptist preaching and there in those uh, Judean foothills, there by that Jordan River, preaching against those generation of vipers, preaching against the leaders of his day, the corruption of his day. The introduction of the book of Psalms, in Psalms chapter number one, that teaches us the way of the blessed life, it begins by, blessed is the man that walketh not, negative. When you look at God's commandments in the Bible, the Ten Commandments that are so well known, negative. When you look at God's command in the Garden of Eden, it was negative. Thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And not only was it prohibitive, but that command of God came with a negative consequence. In the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Now, our country and our current Christian failure is a direct result of preachers who have listened more to professors, more to consultants of business, more to worship leaders, more to book publications and all the different people that are involved in the merchandising of Christianity, rather than listening to the words of God. We need a good, healthy dose of biblical negativity. We need to return to the kind of negativity that the Bible speaks of. Because without biblical negativity, without biblical warning, without biblical condemnation of of sin, without the biblical warning of the coming judgment of God, there is no way to truly get to the positive passages of the glory and the goodness of God. Now, in this passage... I challenge you to read 2 Chronicles chapter number 18 on your own. But you'll find that in this passage there were two kings, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, getting ready to go to war. And if you read very closely, you'll find that Ahab had the majority of the prophets in his corner. They were prophesying, saying, go up, go up, you're going to be successful, you're going to be the victor, you're going to win the war. And yet Jehoshaphat, even though he didn't have any business being in the same vicinity as Ahab, he didn't have any business yoking up with Ahab. He did have enough sense to say, you know what, we better find a real man of God. We better find a prophet that doesn't just tell us what we want to hear, but tells us the truth. And that's exactly what they did. They found a man by the name of Micaiah. He never started any school or seminary. He never built any church building. There were no conferences led by him or news articles or periodicals that were written by him. He was one of God's servants that was preaching the truth, and he told him the truth. It cost him jail time and probably cost him his life if you read the story very closely. But when everything is done and said, 
that old prophet that was in the minority was right. And he was right because he was negative. And those 400 prophets that were in the majority, they were wrong. They were wrong because they were more interested in being positive than they were in being truthful. Now, in this passage, I want to give you several points just by way of markers, food for thought, and ask you to think through some of these things and read the passage on your own. First of all, I want you to understand that in this passage, and in reality, in our day-to-day life, all the false prophets were preaching a positive message. If you were to read verses 4 and 5, you'd find that their message was absolutely positive. There was nothing for them to worry about. Ahab didn't have to worry about a thing. Go on up, Ahab. You're going to be fine. You're going to whip them and and win the day. And uh, you're going to get your name in lights. And it'll be wonderful. It'll be great. And everybody will be happy. But that was a lie. It was positive. It was said with a smile. No doubt there was wonderful and beautiful music being uh, sung along with it. There were cheers. And everybody felt warm and fuzzy and happy. But the reality of the matter is, as positive as it was, It was a bald-faced lie. Micaiah comes on the scene and preaches negative, and they get mad at him and throw him in jail, but he was speaking the truth. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. In a day of positivity at all costs, the reality of the matter is is that most, if not all, false prophets have one common theme, and that is they're positive when they should be negative. If you were to read Jeremiah chapter number 6, You would find in verse 14 that the Bible says, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now get that passage. They have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That's a false prophet with a false message of positive preaching. Positive preaching thinking, positive outlook, when in fact, God taught and demanded a negative outlook. If you were to go to the book of Ezekiel in chapter number 13, you'll find the very same thing said in verse number 10, because even because they have seduced my people saying peace and there was no peace and one built up a wall and lo others daubed it with untempered mortar. Verse 16 says, to wit, the prophets of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her, and there is no peace, saith the Lord God. There is no peace. There is judgment. There is condemnation. There is sin. There should be weeping. There should be repentance. But these false prophets refuse to do that. They grin and smile and try to package Christianity and package the message of God in a way that is palatable to the sinner, palatable to the carnal Christian, and yet absolutely distasteful to the heart of God. If you look at the Bible, you would find that in the Garden of Eden, as I stated already, God's message was negative. He said, ye shall surely die. What a contrast. Satan's message was positive. He said, you shall not surely die, ye shall be as gods. You look at the prosperity gospel, the seeker-sensitive movement, the emergent church and its faith journey, the therapeutic teaching, 
the community teachings, the peace and joy promises of the gospel today, when you look across the landscape of Christianity today, the one thing that you see missing is the one thing that our churches and our country desperately need, and that is the honest, true, negative message that comes from the Word of God. Secondly, positive preaching and positive at all costs is exactly the way the world wants it. Ahab and the northern tribes were wicked, and that's what they wanted. They wanted a positive message that suited the outcomes that they wanted to have. If you were to take your Bible on your own time and look at Isaiah chapter number 30, you would find that the Bible says in verse number 10, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things. Did you know that that's why Joel Olstein is so popular? Did you know that that's why T.D. Jakes can pack out the, the, the stadiums? Did you know that that's why these false prophets, that's why they can preach and raise millions of dollars and have vast amounts of audiences and crowds? It's because they're giving exactly what the people want. They're giving them a positive message. They're giving them a message with no God of judgment, no God of recompense, no God that holds us accountable for our sin, no God of the Bible that has a sincere negative message, none of that whatsoever. They're giving the people what they want. And I'm going to tell you something, preachers. We have been told by people, and it's been implied to us, that the only way we're going to reach the world and have crowds the way that they have is if we adopt their methodology, which is built on no negativity, if we adopt their message, which is built on no negativity, if we adopt their approach to Christianity and spirituality and eternity, which is an approach which has no negativity. And the fact of the matter is you may raise a lot of crowds and you may see more success, but you're not right with God. The Bible says, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. And a man that doesn't preach the severity of God in balance is a man that is not preaching the gospel truth. The third thing is this. The true message of God was one of warning and consequence. If you were to look back at Second Chronicles, you would find in verse number 16 that when all the other prophets were praising the assumed soon coming victory when all the other prophets were cheering and excited and talking about the great success that were coming micaiah delivered a message that was tragic and sad the dispersion of israel the slaying of her shepherds the heartache and the sorrow of lost battles that were coming and the fact of the matter is i believe with all my heart today that one of the reasons that our nation is in the condition it's in is because preachers in the pulpit of the United States of America have ceased preaching a negative message. Now, you might be sitting there listening and thinking, boy, I, I don't know about all this negative stuff where well, you ought to line up with the Bible. You might ought to read your Bible for yourself. And you would find verses like Psalms chapter 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Brother, that's a negative verse. That tells me that this nation is dying and going to hell tonight. 
You think about Proverbs in chapter number 14. Verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. There's a judgment coming. It's coming. It's here. We're in the beginning stages of the judgment of God. There's no doubt to anybody that has any spiritual intuition whatsoever that we have entered into a time where God has taken his hands off of this nation. And judgment is coming. And yet with all of the troubles that are going on, with all of the barbarians that stand on the other side of the wall, with all of the the judgment that is so clear and apparent, it's absolutely baffling to me, baffling to me, and no doubt grieving to the heart of God and to all of God's true people, why preachers today spend so little time within that arena of warning. We do series on marriage, series on child rearing. We do series on uh, on how to have better uh, work environments, and I mean the, the the different series that we do are just myriad. They're just myriad, and quite frankly, they may all have their proper place, but not while the house is burning down. Brother, if somebody's in the second or third story home and the house is burning down and they're asleep. You have one goal, and that is to wake them up and to get them out of a burning house. And in case you haven't looked around, preacher, the house is on fire. It won't be another 10 or 15 years before preachers are in jail because of preaching the truth about homosexuality. It won't be but another 10 or 15 years before we're in jail because we want to educate our children under the nurture and admonition of the Lord and not under the power of an all-intrusive state government. I mean, the things that the, the weirdos and, and the conspiracy theorists, those things that, that they, they talked about years ago when we used to laugh at, those things are here. Why aren't we preaching? Why aren't we warning? Why aren't we laboring? And as Baxter said, preaching as a dying man to dying men. Why is that? National judgment's coming church judgment is coming judgment in our homes you know i'll promise you i'll promise you that noah preached on one particular theme he preached that the flood was coming and you better get on the ark now occasionally he might address the home and occasionally he might have addressed marriage and occasionally he might have addressed some of these other issues but i'll promise you that it didn't take him long to find his way right back to that main theme His job was to warn the world that judgment was coming and the only way for salvation was to get on that ark. And I believe with all my heart, if we're going to see any hope in the generation to come, we need a revival of men that will preach the true message of God. And that message is negativity. Judgment is coming. You had better get on the ark. You'll notice again in the text, if you were to read 2 Chronicles chapter number 18, that the true prophet of God was in the minority. I think about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Do I now persuade men or God? It's always hard to be in the minority. It's always hard to go against the grain, to go upstream. And yet men that have been used of God 
have always been men who have been willing with trembling knees and fearful hearts and dry mouths and teary eyes, yet they have been willing to walk against the grain. They have been willing to walk the way of God. As Luther said when it was rumored anecdotally that somebody said to Luther, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, Luther, the world is against you. Luther said then, Luther is against the world. Where is that attitude? We've lost that. The true prophet of God is in the minority. And I'm going to say something here that I believe is absolutely true. One of the reasons that we don't have the great prophetic preaching, the great lions of the faith, is that there is a principle in the Bible and in nature, and that is that all things produce after their kind. I don't care how much you manipulate, you're not going to get lions from rabbits. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Professors may produce Bible scholars. Business consultants may produce managers. Worship leaders may produce musicians. Program, program designers may produce CEOs. But only preachers can produce preachers. And the reason that we don't have hell storming, God honoring, Satan cussing, Jesus loving, hellfire and damnation preachers is because preachers are not training preachers. There ought to be, I really believe this, there ought to be a five-year moratorium on Bible colleges and seminaries across the country. These young men that feel that they've been called to preach, that feel that God has placed their hand upon them, they ought to go back to their local church. They ought to let the preacher train them. I don't think there's anything wrong with an education. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with laboring to be smarter. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not more education that we need. It's not more degrees that we need. It's not more technique that we need. What's missing today is power and authority, and that only comes from God. You can get all the degrees in the world or not have degrees, but you're not going to get power and you're not going to get the fullness of the Spirit, and you're not going to have the anointing of God unless you spend a lot of time next to God. And I'm going to tell you something. Sitting in a classroom, taking notes, writing papers, trying to impress one another with our intellects, God has never met man underneath the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge puffeth up, charity edifieth. Preachers produce preachers. I'll say this also, if you were to look at the text, you would find that the multiplying of false prophets is a sign of the judgment of God. And I remind you that a false prophet is not just somebody who tells an out-and-out lie, but a false prophet is also somebody who does not tell you the whole truth. The whole truth. The whole truth. There was a myriad of false prophets, 400, probably more than that. But the fact of the matter is, the reality is, those false prophets were part of the judgment of God. You read Second Chronicles chapter 18. God said he sent a lying spirit to deceive. 
We have had the truth and 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 have rejected the uh, rejected the the words of God, rejected the preachers of God. And I believe with all my heart the reason that there are the Joel Osteens, the reason that there are the the uh, the Paul and Jan Crouches, the reason that there are the T.D. Jakes, the reason that there are the Perry Nobles, the reason that there are uh, so many of these men that are absolutely out and out, either heretical in in doctrine or heretical in methodology. The reason that we have so many of these is because God has taken His hand off of us, and there is a spirit among us today part of the judgment of God. You know, the Bible says in Psalms chapter number 48, the Bible tells us that God sent evil angels among the people. You read it. Psalms chapter number 78. He said he sent evil angels among the people. Now you cross-reference that to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Bible says that Satan appears as an angel of light and his ministers appear as angels of light. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. False prophets being multiplied in the land are a sign of the sure judgment of God. You read Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. In those last days, in that second coming, there will be many false prophets, is what Jesus said. And my last point is this. Standing has a price. If you were to read 2 Chronicles chapter number 18, verse 26, you'll find that Micaiah went to jail. And if we're going to be warners of people, if we're going to be messengers of God, if we're going to stand and tell the truth, though it be negative, you might as well buckle up and realize it isn't going to be romantic. It isn't going to be fun. You're not going to have the biggest church on the block. You're not going to be invited to every fellowship. You're not going to be the most popular in town. But have we been called to do that? Is that the goal? The fact of the matter is, we have not been called to produce converts. We have not been called to produce followers. We have not been called to build churches, to organize communities. The first, the first, the absolute first calling of a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the honor and glory of God. And you cannot honor God And you cannot glorify God without preaching the negative message of Scripture. The only hope that we have, as counterintuitive as it sounds, as cutting against the grain as it sounds even for me to say it, the only hope that we have is for a generation of preachers to start being negative negative about what God is negative about.